This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. As we were going to prayer, a certain girl having a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much gain by fortune-telling. Following Paul and us, she cried out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She was doing this for many days. But Paul, becoming greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. It came out that very hour, but when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So again, Luke accounts in Acts 16, as we were going to prayer, a certain girl having a spirit of divination met us, who brought our masters much gain by fortune-telling. He continues the narrative. Following Paul and us, she cried out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us a way of salvation. The demon or demons in this girl knew who these missionaries were, servants of the Most High God. The demon knew they were proclaiming the way of salvation. What an interesting approach from an enemy of Christ to proclaim something that was indeed true. Why would the unclean spirit do this? Maybe the strategy was to disrupt, discredit, and confuse. The statement itself was true, but it was coming from a bad source, with evil intentions. James asks in the book of James, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And Jesus calls Satan the father of lies in John 8:44. Do you think this unclean spirit's desire was for people to listen to Paul preach, believe his message and get saved? Of course not. I'm convinced, even in this fortune teller's quote-unquote witness regarding these missionaries, there was deceit and intent to harm. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, not to bring life. Let's keep reading. She was doing this for many days, but Paul, becoming greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. It came out that very hour. But when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Jesus on various occasions told demons to be silent, even when they told the truth about him. For example, in Mark chapter 3, verses 11 to 12, the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried, You are the Son of God. He strictly warned them that they should not make him known. Paul, likewise, didn't need, approve, or appreciate demonic testimony. Can you imagine? You're trying to preach the gospel to people, and this crazy lady keeps following you around and saying over and over again, 
These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us a way of salvation, and so on. <laughs> it must have been quite a circus. Day after day after day. Maybe they were eventually thinking something like this. My oh my woman, would you stop it already? This is so distracting and annoying. I can't even think straight. And you're driving away the crowds who are trying to listen to us. Imagine too the confusion that would bring in that the fortune teller appears to be in partnership with them on the same team. Almost like through doing this, she's communicating, I affirm them. I affirm their teaching. Therefore, you should listen to me as well. We're equal partners. As if she was some authoritative figure who equally deserved the crown's attention. Maybe the evil spirit wanted to usurp their gospel proclaiming platform to deceive. I mean, she was probably used to people hanging onto her every word as a fortune teller, as if she was like God herself. When she was crying out about these Christian missionaries trying to preach the gospel, no doubt people's attention was likely being moved away from the message and towards this escapade, this fortune teller who wouldn't stop. But isn't this what Satan does? Try to draw attention to himself when God's word is going forth and Christ is being exalted. At any rate, Luke records that Paul was getting really annoyed by it. I'm sure he understood, as he wrote in Ephesians 6.12, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul's motivation for casting out the Spirit may not have only been for the sake of their preaching and those hearing, but also for the sake of the girl who had been taken captive by this spirit of divination. Maybe Paul had compassion towards her. He casts out the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Demonic influence and possession still happen today. But like Paul, we have authority over demons if we belong to Christ. And in his name, we can cast them out. In Acts chapter 19, we see what happens when someone who doesn't belong to Christ tries to exercise authority over demons. It reads, starting in verse 13, Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. We'll cover this in more detail in a few weeks. For now, I just wanted to emphasize that what gave Paul power over the demons was not only that he invoked the name of Jesus, but that Paul also belonged to Christ. If you're a believer, you have the power over the forces of evil in the heavenly places because of Jesus. Jesus promised his disciples in Luke 10:19, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Before I knew Christ, 
I used to be so afraid of Satan and demons. Growing up Mormon, suffice it to say I'd had enough terrifying encounters in my youth with spiritual forces of evil to know that they actually do exist, and they exist with malicious intent to kill, steal, and destroy us. I was bound under the power and fear of the evil one in quite a deceptive way, I might add, in the context of a works-based religion until Jesus delivered me by faith when I got saved and became a Christian. Belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ was my deliverance from certain demonic strongholds and the paralyzing fear accompanied with them. By taking part in the practices, customs, and rituals of Mormonism, for example, I had opened myself up to be taken captive in certain ways by the Spirit now at work in the sons of disobedience. For example, partaking in the LDS work for the dead in Mormon temples was actually a form of necromancy, which is strictly forbidden in the Bible. Jesus said in the Gospels, leave the dead to bury their own dead. And in chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, God warns against necromancy and inquiring of the dead. And yet a part of the culture of the religion in which I was raised was to seek out information on dead people and dead relatives, draw near to them, so to speak, and then do rituals on their behalf in Mormon temples. I was taught to believe the dead were present at the rituals we performed on their behalf, that you could feel their presence, so to speak, and it wasn't uncommon for LDS people I knew to have claimed to have had visions in which they saw or communicated with a dead ancestor, for example, and that often in a Mormon temple. Generally, the Bible teaches that the souls of the dead cannot return to the world. As we learn, for example, from the parable of the rich man in Luke 16, 19 to 31, if you think you're seeing or communicating with a deceased person, like you could very well be interacting with a demon. Likewise, if you're a fortune teller or medium and you think you're communicating with like benign entities, you're deceived. Those are unclean spirits, demons. And God strictly forbids that for good reason. Who knows what kind of life decisions, what kind of path led to this girl in Acts 16 becoming a fortune teller possessed by a spirit of divination? Did it happen step by step over time, through ignorance and deception, as she dabbled further and further into practices forbidden in God's word? What led to her becoming so compromised? Was it lust for power, attention, glory? Did she think interacting with these spirits was benign and that they were her friends? I wonder too, once possessed by the spirit of divination, if she desired deliverance, but it held her captive against her will, or if she rather enjoyed the spiritual powers and thus worked in partnership with the entity. I do wonder also what happened to that girl long-term once the spirit was cast out. It's clear the masters of the demon-possessed girl cared little for her. They were happy to just use her for her ability to exploit her demonic possession to their financial benefit. We know, short-term, that she had lost her abilities that had brought her masters much gain. Luke doesn't mention whether she came to know Jesus after the Spirit was cast out, whether she was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Hopefully, she did come to know Jesus. Otherwise, this is what can happen according to Jesus. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. That said, we don't know if the casting out of the demons served any lasting positive purpose for the girl. At the very least, Paul, annoyed by the Spirit, probably cast it out to get rid of the stumbling block it had become in their evangelism efforts. But this would create another issue. The fortune teller's masters were irked, having essentially blamed Paul and Silas for destroying their livelihoods. Again, verse 19 says, But when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. They must have been pretty annoyed, to the point of rounding them up and making a big ruckus about it in the marketplace before the rulers. Imagine some stranger comes to town, interacts with your most profitable agent in a way that severely impacts your bottom line. You'd probably be pretty frustrated yourself, even if abusing said agent for profit was immoral and wrong. are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless we labor working with our hands and when revived we bless sometimes we feel like the scum of the earth like the refuse of all things slandered while others rule as they live like kings through toil hardships sleepless nights we fight the fight of the good faith for the god of comfort is our strength and in him we are safe but the shape of the dead can irritate god's raises to a higher place we Share abundantly 
was God of Comfort from the Adams Road album, Immeasurable. Not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of his Father, which is to believe in Jesus as God's only Son. Tried to say you prophesied in his name Did many mighty works and casted out demons Well I hope he won't declare to you Depart from me, I never knew you Worker of wickedness We've all sinned But we have redemption By the blood of Christ By grace through faith have a zeal for God, but it's in ignorance and not according to what is known. Do you choose not to submit to God's righteousness? Do you seek to See 
That was Tax Collector from the Adams Road album, Immeasurable. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 16, verses 20 to 25. Grace and peace be with you all.